last weekend we had an incredible Easter weekend. I just want to kind of recap that just a minute. Um, here at our church, we had 1,750 people here uh, through those services, so thank God for that. Yeah. And uh, NLC total, that's 17 campuses. We had just over 38,000 people uh, come to church last weekend at New Life across the state. Uh, About 500 decisions to follow Christ last weekend. And so, yeah, so we are baptizing a lot of folks today across the state, and uh, we're going to do that this morning. And so I want to take just a second to thank Every single volunteer that served uh, our campus uh, last weekend, it is uh, a great weekend to have, but when your building swells like that, especially in your children's programming, um, it can be a challenge for those those leaders, and so I just want to thank everybody from the, I mean, the parking was incredible. I mean, those guys did an amazing job getting us in and out. Um, Ricky Brown uh, had, you know, took his car out there and turned the blue lights on like somebody was getting arrested to help us get traffic out. Uh, so thank God for those teams. So, and all of you who invited a family, so thank you so much for that. So let's put our hands together for every volunteer that served our church last weekend. Amen. So thankful for everybody. So this morning, I want to um, do kind of a follow-up to Easter and give us just a good, a good challenge this, this morning um, as it relates to Scripture and where you are personally. Um, if you are back with us this weekend from last weekend, welcome back. And we just want to challenge you today um, about what's next. And so I think, I think just a good question to ask after such a, a strong Easter weekend is to say, what's next? Specifically, what's next for me? And I think that's okay to, to be selfish when it comes to your spirituality to say, what's next for me? What's next for um, in my life? You know, what does God have planned for me personally? And that's where I, I want to go with that. So after you've decided to follow Christ or be baptized or commit to change or after you are just refreshed, it's just a good time to ask the Lord, you know, what's going on for me next in, in, my, in my, my life? So I want to start with just two verses uh, to, to show us that Scripture is challenging us to think ahead. But Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12, this is in the letter to the church at Philippi. Um, He says this, he says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your salvation. Notice that he does not say work on, okay? So Jesus did the work on, you do the work out, okay? So um, work out your own salvation, meaning get, get your hands in there, roll your sleeves up, and figure out what it is uh, going on in your life that God and is leading you toward. What what is it that you have for me? So work it out. And then Second Peter chapter three eighteen, he challenges us. He says, "Grow in the grace and knowledge." Okay, so grow in grace, grow in knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So he's challenging them. No more than you know now. Again, get in there, roll your sleeves up, figure it, it, it out, work out your salvation, and know more about our Lord and Savior Jesus. 
Now, in 2 Kings, there is this great story, and I've shared it with you at least twice in the past five years. I'm not going to preach that message, but I'm definitely going to use this text. It's one of my favorite because when it comes to thinking about expanding your territory, uh, growth, just making a big push uh, for the next level of your development in Christ, this is such a great text. The story is basically this, and I'm going to read it to you in just a minute, but I'm going to paraphrase it for just a second, and it's these sons of the prophets are living together. We don't know why. We don't know, we don't know the backstory on this at all, but we know that they have gathered together, and where they are is too small. And they're starting to recognize that, like, this place no longer fits our needs. And so they're starting to question what's next. What are we going to do with this? Okay, we obviously are here. The Lord's brought us together. He's doing some amazing things. But where we are right now cannot work for us long term. And I'm going to tell you that that's the same thing for you spiritually. You may be in a really good place now, but it's not going to sustain you forever. you got to be willing to take the next step of faith in your life. And so this is the situation that I want to talk about today. There comes a time in every life when staying at the same place will eventually hinder you. So this is why you talk to a lot of people who may have had an experience with Christ and it was 20 years ago and now they seem themselves to be dead and dry and dull. It's because over that 20-year span, it's like they got on fire for Christ and then just let it go. They never just took the next step. They never went to the next place. And so it began to hinder them. So this hindering of being in the same place spiritually uh, can definitely happen to everybody in this room. It's happened to me many times um, throughout my, my journey. And if I could give you a couple of examples, it would be this. Abraham's father was actually commanded to go on to Canaan. It was Abraham's dad. And he got to a place called Haran. And the Bible said that he stopped and he built a house and he stayed in Haran and died in Haran. Okay? So let me tell, tell, tell you this. Never build a house where God intended for you to pitch a tent. Okay? Always keep on going, keep on following through, keep on, on moving, and be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit about what's next for your life. Another good example would be the children of Israel. We know that a lot of powerful things happened for them at Sinai. And it became a holy place to them. They loved it. They were comfortable there. Um, that mountain rep represented a, a, a portal for them to God. And we know that many times Moses went there and spoke with God, came down, his face is he got all kinds of amazing things happening, Ten Commandments. And, and so they wanted to stay, and they had to move on. And they had to be challenged to move on. Like, hey, it's time to get the people up, re-motivate them, get them to move. This is not the end point for y'all. It was a nice place of rest. It was a nice place of peace. It was a nice place of hearing from me. But now it's time to go to the next place. So as we journey through this talk this morning, this is the language that I want you to use on, on yourself. What's next for you? Um, have you been camping out too long? Um, have you stayed in one spot? Are you getting comfortable? Are you getting lackadaisical in your faith? And so when we look at staying still, you know, we can read books 
and improve our, our mind. We can work out or eat better and improve our body. We can go to therapy, improve relationships. We can go to a financial peace university and go through that and improve our finances. But when it comes to our spirituality, many of us, and again, including myself, can spend years in the same spot spiritually. Okay? It's, it's almost like you can get on a treadmill and spiritually because you go to church, because you give, or because you serve, you feel like you're going somewhere, but when you get off, you're still in your living room. Okay, and so this is our challenge this this morning is what's the next step for all of you? Because it could very well be that your next step is to serve or your next step is to come to connect and find out more about life groups and getting into community and finding godly friends because you've never had them. It could be that you're here at the nine o'clock and you've never been baptized and you need to circle back at the 11 this morning and go public with your faith. What's the next step for, for you, okay? So let's go to this story in 2 Kings chapter 6. Again, one of my, my favorites. You're going to recognize it because I've taught it to you. And if you are going through uh, Scripture or you've ever done a one-year uh, reading, you've definitely come across this. So 2 Kings chapter 6, I'm just going to read 1 through 7. And I'm reading from the NLT this morning, so it may read a little, little bit different. This is what it says. One day the group of prophets came to Elisha and told him, as you can see, the place where we're meeting is too small. Let's go down to the, to the Jordan River. There are plenty of logs, and there we can build a new place for us. I love the language of, of community here, okay? So he, he's using words like, there we can build a place for us. Um, so they have a lot of vision for the whole group. When they arrived at the Jordan, they began cutting down trees. As one of them was cutting a tree, the axe head came off and fell into the river. Oh, sir, he cried, it was a borrowed axe. Where did it fall? This is verse 6, the man of God asked. When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick, threw it into the water at that spot, and the axe head floated to the surface. Grab it, Elisha said. One version says, take it for yourself. I love that. Take it for yourself, Elisha said, and the man reached out and grabbed it. So I want to talk about some of the principles about what's next as we're following Christ. And the first one is this, getting behind to go beyond. Getting behind to go beyond. All right. How many of you have ever felt behind? All right. Behind on laundry, behind on, on, on your diet, behind on your reading plan, behind in your career, behind in your parenting skills, behind where you think your finances should be at this particular stage in life. You look at your finances and you go, I don't think I'm ever going to retire. I don't think any of us are ever going to retire. But you look at, at different things and you think that I should be further than this. Okay? Because we've done this thing to ourselves where we compartmentalize tasks with time, and we think that by the time we're 25, we should be doing this. And, and it, is, it is true. You know, if you're, if you're 55 and you've never lived outside of your mom's house, it may be time to go look for an apartment. But there, there are certain things, and then there are certain things that don't matter, but we make them matter. 
And so we feel behind, and we can go through that whole list. There's a ton of things that we can do where we feel behind, okay? And sometimes we look at other people, and we think lesser of ourselves. We look at them, and because of what they are doing, we think less of ourselves, and we get frustrated, and we get discouraged, and we even start to define ourselves based upon what somebody else has done or is doing uh, spiritually, and we say, you know, wow, I, I, need, I need to catch up. You know, this is where uh, I need to pick the pace up. And the truth be known is that we are all on an independent journey, and you need to have joy for where you are in the process. Okay, it's going to unfold. It's going to happen. And sometimes you're going to feel behind in order to go beyond. Okay, and this is just a principle. It's, it's a biblical principle, and I could pull from 50 different contexts in Scripture to show you that this is a heavy life principle that God could show us and demonstrate to us. But to prove to you that, that this happens, I'll tell you a little short story, and it's this. The Little Rock Marathon uh, this year, um, we had a few of, of our Conway folks run in it. They always do. They build a team. And it was, it was this group this year of guys who had started keto. And so they were, they were real happy. Together they had lost, you know, several hundred pounds. They were like, I'm going to run in the Little Rock Marathon or, or jog or fast walk, whatever that they could pull off. And so one of those guys... Name is Josh, and, and, and Josh was running, and I mean, he's really slogging through it, okay? I mean, he's having to, to just really motivate himself to get past this thing, and he is battling it out. I mean, he is fighting to breathe, and he's burning, you know, just all over. It's, it's like me going to check the mail. That's how it feels, okay? And so, so um, he, he's going, and as he's going, he sees this lady that, that they call um, the, 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 the smoking lady, Okay, because she's smoking a cigarette. Go ahead and show the, 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 the other one. Okay, and so she goes by them, burning one. And in his mind, he's like, oh, no, she didn't. Okay, and so the whole, the whole goal had nothing to do anymore with time and everything to do with beating the smoking lady. And that's what they called her, the smoking lady. I love that. And so you think about this, that, you know, we get passed by the smoking lady and we go, uh-uh, you know, not, not in this life, not ever. I am, you know, I've, I've been ketoing it and I am losing weight and, I, and I'm slogging through this thing and you are not going to pass me up smoking a Marlboro 100. It's not going to happen. Okay? And so the, the long story made short is they made sure that they crossed the line before smoking lady, okay, because they felt lesser because she had just went right by them, all right? But I want you to think in your mind for just a moment about a bow and an and arrow. You have to pull the arrow back in order for it to go forward, right? And so, again, this principle, getting behind to go beyond, and some of you have been so frustrated with where you are. Here we are about to turn the corner of May. And, I mean, Lowe's will put out Christmas trees in about four weeks. And you are frustrated that your January list, you're already behind on it. 
You're like, these are things I wanted to accomplish this year and pages I wanted to turn and things I wanted to do, and this is kind of where I, and I'm not even close to that, and you're frustrated with it. But listen, don't, don't be, because God may be setting up your trajectory to bless you significantly, and in order to set a great trajectory for you to go far, he has to pull you back in order to go beyond, a little principle we all learned as kids is, um, you know, we didn't have a pool growing up, and so we used the garden hose. And when you take a garden hose and you put your thumb on it, it causes that water to come under pressure, and because of the pressure, the water can go further. It's the same thing. When we, sometimes we have to be under pressure, we have to be pulled back in order to go farther, okay? And so if you'll take that and let that get in your spirit this morning, I think you can walk out of here with some renewed joy about where you find yourself right now this morning. And so we really need to rethink our circumstances and not get all caught up on where I am, but where I feel I am headed, okay? The second thing, roots before fruits, Roots before fruits. Before I hop into this point, I want to show you a quick 90-second video, and I want you to, to pay attention to this right here. So I think it's the, not only the largest living thing, but the fastest growing. And I think it's about 3,000 years old. And it's glorious. How it's much? on its way. Yeah, he says picking up already. I can see it. Roots before fruits. This sequoia tree that we just showed you is in, was in Yosemite National Park, 227 feet tall, and as you heard him say, 3,000 years old. Okay, What was happening in our world 3,000 years ago was this. David had just become king of Israel 3,000 years ago. The Iron Age had just begun. And Troy was attacked by Agamemnon when that tree started growing. A few years ago, this incredible tree fell for no reason at all, or so it seemed. So a group of scientists came together to find out what's going on because it was such a shock to that, that community. And they began to study what brought it down. 
and they would bring in team after team after team, and every conclusion came to this. The reason it fell was foot traffic. That the roots were stretched very far, but they weren't deep. It had a large taproot, but in terms of, of the root system itself, began to be shallow, and as people trampled and visited and trampled and visited and trampled, it began to weaken those roots that were sitting on the surface, and they could no longer pull from way out and bring it into that, that, that tree. Foot traffic, if I can use it as a metaphor, foot traffic for us is everyday life. It's, it's the trampling that we feel by the time you hit your driveway at night. It's soccer games. It's grocery lists. It's responsibilities. It's, it's hammering it out at work. It's thinking all day, just foot traffic, taking the skills that you have and using them to provide for your family every day, every day, every, just, just trampling, just foot traffic. And we have to have a deep root structure or we will get trampled to death by everyday life. If you let yourself and you just live from mind and body and emotions, you will experience significant foot traffic in your life that you cannot bear. You can do it for a short term, but long term, suddenly things start to fade away. Suddenly life is not there anymore and joy isn't there anymore and happiness is not there any longer. You're no longer enjoying your experience because of the foot traffic. So we have to make sure that before we start analyzing and assessing fruit, like how, how am I doing over here and how am I doing over there and is career healthy and is family healthy and is my marriage healthy, you better make sure that you're healthy. That you look in the mirror and discover what areas in your life need more depth. So make sure that in your assessment of fruit, that your assessment of root comes first and make it a priority in your life. Because no matter where you are in your faith journey, the root system has to have priority. And if you focus on the fruit and abandon the root, you, like this beautiful tree, can also fall. Third, there's a difference between potential and product, okay, or productivity. There's a difference between those two things. I can have all the potential in the world and never produce anything. People can look at your life and see potential. They see the power of the seed in you. And they get it. Man, sometimes they call it out in you before you even see it or recognize it in, in yourself. Maybe it, it was a, a, a teacher. My fourth grade teacher out of nowhere looked at me one day and said, you are going to be a pastor. I was like, uh-uh, I'm going to be a fireman. That's what I want to be. And before that, I told my mom for years and years and years, I said, I want to be a garbage man. She said, why? I said, because I get to ride on the truck every day. It's going to be awesome. Just hang on to the side. It's going to be awesome. There's a difference between potential and producing. 
So let's go to 2 Kings for a moment. I want you to think about these people that we read about, the sons of the prophets, okay? This is a powerful people. Again, we don't know the backstory. The story just kind of slips in. It's a very old, old, old book, and it just kind of slips in. These are sons of prophets. I mean, imagine the stories that these guys could tell about things that they had seen. So they had a powerful heritage. This is the place where we dwell is too small for us. They were obviously perceptive. We're able to look around and see this cannot work for us long term. And they said, let us go to the Jordan. They were prompted. Let's do something about it. Okay? So they were powerful. They were perceptive. And they had a prompting to do something different. So if I want to get better at something... I have to develop it as a skill, right? If I want to get better at anything, I've got to take that idea or that concept or that thing that is a passion in me or starting to be a passion in me, and I've got to develop it out. I've got to to hone it as a skill. Let me give you an example. If I said we're going to go outside and we're going to compete in a professional game of curling, you guys would be in a panic. Why? Because you've never played it. And so if you've never, you know, done curling, uh, I want you to watch this very quick 10-second instructional video that we have for For you this morning. For those of you who have yet to join the curl squad, let me break down the complexities of the game. One person throws a rock across the ice while two others rub brooms in front of it. (laughs) And you're all caught up. But... Okay. Each stone is 44 pounds. The court is 150 feet long. You play six to ten rounds, depending on how the game is playing out, and the captain is called the skip. Now, we know we would lose at curling for obvious reasons. No knowledge, no skill, no practice. No knowledge, no skill, no practice. If we're not careful... We will take our experience with Christ and do the exact same thing. We will not practice it. We will not observe it. We look at it and we really don't know what to do with it. We know it's kind of out there. We know we've thought about Christ. We know we've thought about our relationship with Him. But we've never put a plan in motion about what could be next in our lives. What does God want us to do next? Okay. Now, I'm going to make this very personal for just a moment. And for those of you who don't know me, this may come out a little crass, so filter this, okay? Maybe your next step is because some of you have been coming to NLC for a year, maybe two years, and you enjoy the church And maybe you enjoy being served, but you've never served. So you enjoy uh, the culture of hospitality, but you've never engaged in it. So like you've never parked a car or taught a kid or poured a cup of coffee or helped reset a service. And, And so you're missing out in some of the ownership here. Because this is not my church or David's church or Craig's church or Kim and Kim's church. This is not, this is not our, it's it's our church. It's ours, all of us. 
We have to use the language like these sons of prophets use. We, we, we want to do it. We uh, see what's going on. We know what's next. And so maybe for some of you, next really is I need to stop being a consumer and start being a contributor. Maybe that's what's next. And so you need to think about that and consider what does God have for me. So again, like this game of curling, we, we look at our, at our spiritual lives and we're always feeling defeated because we have a lack of knowledge. A lot of potential, yes, but productivity, no. So you can be here today and be one of the greatest leaders our church could ever have. You are loaded with potential but you've never taken time to let God move you into productivity. In 2014, I ruptured a disc in my neck, and I had surgery. Uh, the only thing I can remember doing to do that is sneeze. I'd like to say I was bench pressing, you know, 300 pounds or squatting or crossfitting or passing the smoking lady, but I it was... All I can remember was it was sneeze, and after that, I wasn't sleeping very well. And after that, I you know, went to a few chiropractors, and after that, uh, I, I was still sore. And after that, it got worse, and it got worse, and it got worse. And I found myself not able to look in certain directions, and my eyes were watering all the time. And so sure enough, I had a ruptured disc. And I went to see a neurosurgeon, and he said, yeah, I think, I think we need to go in and go ahead and fix this. And so uh, I asked him at, at, at the consult, um, now, you've, you've done a lot of these, right? Because he was talking about we're going to go in the front and we're going to move, you know, windpipe this way and esophagus this way. We're going to go right in through the middle. And, uh, okay, my hands are sweaty. And I said, I mean, you've, you've done a lot of these, right? And he said, actually, this is going to be my first. But I watched a lot of YouTube videos on, on how to do this. Of course, he was kidding. He just wanted a reaction out of me. Um, my surgery was about 27 minutes. That's how quick he replaced that. And I have a cadaver bone in there. You know, if you don't know what cadaver is, just look it up. It'll freak you out. And um, I've always said I, I, um, I was fine, but once they have that cadaver bone in there, I, I uh, have these weird cravings for sticky rice. I, I, don't, I don't know why. But anyway... Some of y'all will get that tomorrow. You would, you would never go into surgery, and you would never let your 16-year-old kid drive based upon YouTube videos, ever. And the reason we don't is because skill builds confidence. The more I work out my salvation... The more I'm growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the more confidence fills my life and lets me go through the tribulations and the circumstances of my life that are heavy and have weight to them, but because I have worked on the skill of following Christ, I am full of confidence. I know I'm coming out the other side. I know I may feel like I'm getting behind, but it's God trying to set me up for greater trajectory. I'm not mad when I look around at other people and see them getting blessed, and I think I should be the one getting blessed. It's because I'm spending time working out my salvation. Okay, let me hurry. 
Again, having skills builds confidence. Number four, and I'm going to finish with this, anticipate some challenges. When these guys got to the Jordan, um, things fell apart for this one guy. And he loses his axe handle, and it falls into the river, and he can no longer finish what he started. He was doing all the right things, and something went wrong. And I don't know how many times myself or of uh, all of us have been doing our best to do something spiritually, and something goes wrong. Like we're doing our best, and the axe handle flies off. Okay. And so some of you right now are like this guy. He's standing on the edge of the river holding an axe handle. And I always love taking just 60 seconds and prefacing this part because we can go through an entire lifetime, not a season, an entire lifetime holding an axe handle and telling the same story over and over and over again. And the story of how we lost the edge suddenly becomes replaces our testimony of what Christ has done for us. And so we're standing on the edge of our marriage or the edge of our career or the edge of, of, of something, our finances, and we say, this, this is what happened. If you're wondering why I just have an ax handle, this is what happened. And we're constantly talking, I was doing this, I was working hard, I was doing and then we, get, we have a story that goes with it. Some of you can take communion and have your axe handle in your hand. You can worship and lift it up toward God. You are spending your life holding the axe handle. And I want to tell you that this is a problem in the postmodern church is we are now to the place where we expect sympathy, but we are no longer anticipating second chances. We want people to feel sorry for us, and tell us how, how you know, incredibly bad our story is. And we want people to pat us on the back and tell us, hey, we're, we're praying for you. Instead of expecting a second chance to come back to us. This prophet, and maybe some of you that are sitting in here this morning, have carried this axe handle around because you have filled your heart with the fact that this thing is over. All right, You can expect there's going to be some challenges when you're following God. But I'm going to encourage all of us to grow up, to stand up again, to square your shoulders back and expect God to circle back and help you in this circumstance to get your edge back. So that we can stop singing and prophesying and sharing a testimony that has nothing more to do with a stick in our hand. Right? Let me end here because I, I am out of time. I'm going to skip three pages here. Verse 7, and I'll end with this. He tells them, I, I want you to pick this up for yourself. Okay, the axe head has floated. He tells him, I want you to pick this up. I love this part because it shows personal responsibility. As a pastor, I, I can only take you so far. As a life group leader, they can only take you so far. Okay, For those of you who are married in, in this place, maybe your spouse is the, is the stronger Christian. They can only take you so far. There comes a point in your journey with Christ where you have to pick it up for yourself. Like you have to reach down 
and let God do it for you. Not because you had incredible parents, not because of of a pastoral team, not because of an incredible life group around you or a group of friends who are the strongest people you've ever had in your none of those people are responsible for your walk with God. You've got to do it. You've got to reach down in there and do it. Okay? We don't know the beginning of this story. We don't know the end, and we too do not know the end of our story, but we do, however, know that God is up to something big, and you and I are personally involved, personally involved in what's next for us. We are personally involved in what is next. So whatever it is, If you lost the edge, stop looking for sympathy. Look for a second chance, and when it comes, pick it up. Pick it up. Seize the moment and take it, okay? Let's bow our heads really quick this morning. I want to pray.